0: Content warning. Racism, anti-Semitism, imperialism, COVID, police violence, slavery, and damn dirty apes! Action! Excitement! Horror, romance! thrills and chills! Swords and sorcery! Rockets and ray guns! A dizzying panoply of the strange and impossible from the darkest depths of the human imagination! What in that universe encompasses such tales as these...
1: These strange, wild beasts that lived wholly in a delirium of invented characters, assigning fantastic attributes to one another, enacting solemn plays where everything was real, blood, knives, and misery—everything but the characters themselves— had thrust on him the strangest mask of all. They had made him great, and now, at the touch of one small hand on the lever, all the machinery of the theater was in motion to make him greater still. With the greatest greatness of all, for so, too, his rude mind, unskilled in the abstract mystery of royalty, seemed political greatness, the power of ordering men's days and nights. Himself, he was nothing, nothing to anyone but himself. For others, he was a suit of irrelevant attributes. No one cared what he thought or felt or was. His ego had no place in their scheme. He had been always the same, and the differences were of human making. First man clapped on him the attribute of monkey and purpose putting him in a cage and offering him for entertainment. Then man clapped God, King, prisoner, and millionaire on a quick succession. Now they were preparing statesmen for him to wear, empty garments, all of them, By the very essence of things, nature makes no gods, kings, prisoners, millionaires, or statesmen. Twalo saw that he could never merely put aside his mask and say, Behold me as I am. Such revelations are unthinkable to the human mind. One might as well say, Behold me, for I have disappeared. He could renounce Dainspin if he liked, stay millionaire, go back to God or King or Monkey. But until he went away from men and was himself in the wild forest, he could never be plain self again. He must inhabit either a palace or a temple or a cage. Dwala, a Romance, 1904, by George Calderon. Hello, welcome to What Mad Universe. Uh, I'm Philip uh, Rice, and with me as always is Adam Prosser. Hello? So this is a show where we talk about uh, pulp novels, uh, both very influential and famous and obscure. Uh, we're on the obscure side today. Uh, we're talking about a um, a uh, story from 1904 uh, about a ape who becomes prime minister of England. <laughs> um, it's uh, it's a it is a social satire, but it's not like a straight comedy
0: as yeah. you'd expect
1: from the premise. I was
0: going to say the the, peg, the bit you wrote there, you read there, was extremely um, serious sounding, like yep. st- Shakespearean almost. Uh,
1: yeah, seem- yeah. There's lots of meditations on what it means to be, you know, you know. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's a it's an interesting uh, little thing <laughs> that exists. Yeah. About, um,
0: about all I know about it is it's essentially Hail to the Chimp, the movie that Homer <laughs> Simpson watches in that one episode.
1: Um, yeah, it's, it's not really, but, uh, uh, that's certainly the, uh, the Simpsons joke I went with for this book for my Twitter thread. Because <laughs> yep. how could I not? Okay. Um, uh, and I'll also be talking about a, uh, another book, um, from, uh, um, 1817, uh, so, um, almost a century earlier, uh, that's also about an ape becoming a British politician, and that one's a little more silly. (laughs) Um, I'll just just pass on that briefly. Just a slightly more, to find some of the more
0: comedic potential in that premise, (laughs) uh, this one, which this one skips over.
1: Well, yeah, this one does, uh, skip over a lot of the, you know, um, jokes, like, um, yeah, so basically, uh, it starts off in, uh, in Borneo, um, and, uh, Dwella has already, um, at this point he goes, or he doesn't go by, but, uh, he was sort of captured by an American explorer, um, and, uh, who named him the Colonel, um, and, uh, it, it sort of goes into the backstory of, um, um, the, the American meeting Colonel, and, um, he was just sort of studying apes, and then one of them started talking back to him. Um, and um, <clears throat> uh, so, uh, at first, uh, Colonel is very uh, subservient to the American. Um, but uh, a- after discussion of what the American plans um, to sort of put Dwala in in steerage on a on a ship and transfer him, and you know, sort of put him on display, Dwala decides to to run away and. Um, at this point he's a little, uh, he's starting to get a little disillusioned. Um, he runs into a, uh, into a tribe of, uh, of natives of Borneo, uh, who begin to worship him as a god, um, and they bestow on him the name Dwala, uh, he have two names, both of them unknown. Um, I think Dwala is an actual name, so I'm not sure if it means that, but that's what this book says it means. Um, so, uh, and, and at this point it becomes, uh, for a little while, sort of just a series of things that happen. Uh, Dwella is, or his, uh, village is invaded by, um, uh, British, uh, settlers who are trying to, uh, mine there. Um, he's captured, um, he's taken as a prince, um, so he's sort of, he's a prisoner, but like a respected prisoner. Um, and, uh, at this point, they just think he's, he's a human being. Um, though, he's described as, uh, large, hairy, bulky, um, very ugly. Um, uh, some other characters, um, uh, muse about, uh, uh, whether he counts as black. Um, uh, they say he doesn't because it's, it's not on the, it's not a mainland Africa, it's up. Um, so he's, like, uh, has Aryan blood or whatever, you know. Is, These is, are, is,
0: is, sorry, did you say he is explicitly, like, a chimp, or he's some kind of cryptid missing link?
1: Oh, character? yeah, yeah, uh, sorry, I'll, I'll get into that, but yes, he's, uh, explicitly a missing link. Um, actually, I should just talk about that now. The book does not know what a missing link is. <laughs> um, uh, missing link is already a, um... Uh, sort of a misunderstanding of how evolution works. Uh, as it's um, usually described, a missing link is like the stage between uh, early hominids and modern human beings. Um, so, like, there's a, a stage in there that we don't know about, so therefore, there could be no link between the two, uh, according to creationists or whatever. Um, that's the idea. Um, the truth is, uh, fossilization doesn't happen that often so a lot of species will never get uh fossilized so we're never going to get a full account of you know every single step in the chain but that doesn't mean it didn't happen right um in this uh missing link is described as um the common ancestor of man and ape that has apparently survived into the present day uh so it's yeah, uh he's basically uh a talking Bigfoot and he also has a tail. Okay, cool. Um it uh yeah, it describes uh uh briefly that uh uh his species uh, has tails but like only the royal part of the species had tails. So that was like a um uh considered a, a mark of pride and even if you had like a stump of a tail, you were sort of looked on with more respect than if you had none. Uh so yeah, uh, at this point, uh, Dwala meets a um, a nice uh, British man named Wyndham Cato, who uh, has lots of um, uh, theories on um, uh, native rights and uh, so on. Um, Cato um, basically sets Dwala up uh, with a um, um, as a dignified foreign uh, ambassador. Um and uh it fights for uh uh Dwala's ability to uh um actually uh own uh the land he's from. And he manages to get that, and then immediately after they discovered that it's basically all gold underneath. Huh. So at this point Dwala is very rich. Uh, uh, oh okay. but, but he's I thought, also I thought you were
0: gonna say and then immediately America invades.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, uh he actually um Uh, he comes off fairly well for for at least a little bit. Um, So, uh, at this point, Dwala is extremely uncivilized. You know, he can talk, but uh, 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 they try to um, sort of teach him manners and stuff, but he he only sort of uh, repeats, you know, uh, like, Jolly Good Sir or whatever. (laughs) Um, uh, There's actually a part where... um, Cato's uh, uh, nephew comes, um, comes for a visit. Yeah, Dwala just sort of says, "A nephew? I would like a, I would like one." And picks him up and asks, "Is he a man?" And Cato uh, says, "Of course, he's a man. He's twenty-eight years old." And Dwala says, "He has no eye." And then it, um, w- then it goes into this interesting bit about how uh, uh, Dwala had previously uh, viewed humans based on this, um. Hard to define aspect that he saw. It's basically like something behind the eyes, like a, um, uh, a thing difficult to define, something revealed in the bodily eye, not exactly strength of will or power to command, not entirely dignity or courage, some reflection rather of the spirit of the universe, self completeness and responsibility, a consciousness of individual independence. This he had known and felt in the American, in the Suchins, in Mr. Kato, in the housemaid. It was the basis of his respect and obedience. But it was wanting, wanting in this man, um, and uh, it goes on to say he was fortunate to uh, discover this early on because uh, it seems most people don't have this quality. Hmm. Um, and, and yeah, it it sort of describes how he um, he classifies animals not by like a, a collection of traits because that's not very handy in the jungle. Like it, it um, if there's a a, a venomous snake um he needs to instantly um recognize it and he can't go looking at you know certain you know physiological traits and whatnot so there's just this attribute that he sees that he applies to it but hmm. uh this isn't always accurate uh, anyway i thought that was interesting yeah that's um yeah yeah it's it, uh, again this is sort of like an alien character in <laughs> right. some ways like uh, what we we're talking about with uh, thoth in uh, or uh, Tweel in um, a Martian Odyssey. He's right. sort of like he's not lower than humans, but he has a different way of thinking. Right, and uh, I but think this y- we
0: see it. Th- we see the story from Dwell's point of view, though. Right, like he's um, like, fairly. It's
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of it follows him, but it's not uh, like
0: written from his
1: perspective right, or right. anything.
0: But but we essentially we get inside his head, right? Like he's yeah, fairly. Yes. Yeah, he's, he's a, like, as opposed to Tweel, the whole thing was we only yeah, saw fa- him from a human, there, but, view. Um, Yeah, fair there,
1: but I just meant in the way that he has a different way of thinking than humans. Yeah. Um, in some ways better and in some ways worse. Um, yeah,
0: that's 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 good. That's good writing, you know? It's, uh, yeah. I, I appreciate that. Um,
1: so, uh, uh, at this point, uh, Dwella sees London sort of splayed out in front of him, and uh, just sort of laughs, like, this is what everybody was, you know, <laughs> hyping up as like the the height of uh human culture. This is what is this? Um and um uh he's introduced into British society and uh he meets a um a woman named Lady uh Lady Wise um who becomes a um uh import this is sort of an important moment in his life. Yeah, she's um described as also being a monster but a a monster of a different making like he's a natural just a a monster because he's not a human um um but uh uh this woman was just sort of a monster created by society and they both had at this point a complete contempt for humanity and um they saw it, they saw this reflected in each other. It wasn't love, because neither was really capable of such a thing. But, um, it was sort of just a mutual understanding between the two, that they instantly saw it in each other's eyes. And so, uh, they discuss a plan, a, uh, grand joke that they're gonna play, where Dwala would be installed as Prime Minister, and then at some point, um, it would be revealed that he was an ape, and um, everybody, like, they didn't really think much beyond that. It, it's actually, um, yeah. And after, while well, that was a little matter, they would kill him, perhaps. He would die laughing at them, laughing at their angry, shameless faces as they stabbed him. More probably, they would let him go. They would hardly exhibit him in Earl's court, uh, Pithecanthropus erectus, ex-cabinet minister. He would get back to the woods of Borneo again and laugh among the trees, any case he would have had his joke um uh so yeah uh there's there's also a brief aside where he goes to a dinner party and sherlock holmes is there uh not herlock Uh, holmes no it's well it's mr holmes and he's a (laughs) detective and he does the same deducing thing um and mr holmes has been hired to um uh, go to Borneo and track down the missing link that they're looking for, because there's reports that an American had discovered it, but it escaped. Um, hmm.
0: uh,
1: there's also uh, asides with um, uh, uh, Dwala gets a uh, valet named uh, <laughs> Proster. Um, oh. <laughs> so that's a thing. Okay, uh, that, well there you go. That's your name.
0: That and a guy <laughs> in Hitchhiker's Guide the Galaxy are the people who. <laughs> Bear My Name. The literary characters that Bear My Name I guess.
1: And uh, Prosser has a um, uh, he, he's a, a former drunk um, and uh, he has a um, uh, a daughter uh, who he doesn't see named Joey who's being raised by a blind sort of um, uh, fence like a criminal uh, named Hartop. And uh, at this point Dwella decides um, he's kind of can't enjoy his surroundings because he doesn't really care, uh, you know, his, his mansion and, you know, wealth and stuff. So he's going to invite Hartop and Joey to live with him and just sort of live off his off his money and just watch it through their eyes, basically. Um, so Prosser, Har- Hartop, and Joey are, are sort of members of his inner circle. And there, there's an interesting shift where Prosser, over the course of the book, uh, becomes a thief, just gets addicted to stealing stuff, um, and, uh, Hardtop goes from a thief to, uh, um, being very invested in his own property, and, uh, it actually, um, it ends with him fighting off a mob and, um, to protect his, his property, and it sort of, um, does that as, like, a a reversal of their original opinions at the, Mm -hmm. at the start of their character arcs, um, um so it's a it,
0: this is all a very wry commentary on society then it's it's meant yeah. to be it's meant to be a sort of satirical deconstruction of of, of stuff um yeah um it sounds a bit it sounds a bit um swiftian like uh gulliver's travels like uh,
1: yeah not, um it's it's not quite as good as that but yeah no <laughs> oh, yeah <laughs> what is
0: <laughs> yeah well, I mean, it's also, I mean, um, like Kipling would have uh like The Jungle Book would have existed for a while uh, at this point. Yep. Your your boy Saturday for Ferendul had been out for a while at this point. Um Yeah. There's quite a few I, I I'm not even sure if Tarzan would have been out already by now. Um
1: uh, it's around this time, I think.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I think the the whole premise of like um Man versus ape, or man's primal nature and man's being raised in in the jungle versus society was was in people's minds a lot around this time. I think that was a that was a the running a running thought. Thro, thro,
1: eh. Oh yeah, um, definitely. Um, uh, as we'll discuss, I have uh, another example. Um, but uh, yeah, so so basically, um, uh, he becomes a cabinet minister then a, a famine strikes England and it sort of ousts the prime minister and he's he becomes prime minister and at this point he just starts um wait wait push- let me get
0: let me get this straight Phil you're saying that because something bad happened to England the prime minister was forced to was ousted so this is definitely science fiction is what you're
1: saying <laughs> yeah yeah um I'm sure it's happened once or twice. <laughs> um, Certainly not uh, happening so, right
0: now, specifically.
1: So yeah, um, he's Prime Minister now. He's, he's sort of achieved his joke, but he doesn't really find it funny anymore. So he decides to actually do the job. Um, and he becomes... Uh, in, um, and he just uh, puts in reforms that uh, apparently turn the country into a utopia. It doesn't really describe in <laughs> detail, but apparently he like really improves things. Um, why
0: everyone, all the other politicians are going, why didn't we think of that? <laughs> all those utopian reforms we should have put into place.
1: Um, yeah, uh, but, um, um, as was sort of foreshadowed, uh, uh in earlier chapters, he's starting to get a cough and, you know, when you, when you cough, that means you're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, right. and, uh, it seems that, uh, civilization is sort of literally killing him, hmm. um, uh, as he's he's dying, he decides to uh, to write his his memoirs, uh, which includes all the stuff about him being a missing link and all that. Um, and um, but uh, the the other members of his circle are trying to um, uh, stop this from getting out. Um, but uh, finally, Prosser, who again is is at this point addicted to stealing things and has just been talked into you know why are you stealing all this? petty stuff go for something grand so he steals the memoirs (laughs) um and they end up getting published and uh there's this um uh obvious giant backlash against walla you know uh crowds come after him they manage to sneak him out and they go um on a ship to borneo but he he dies on the way over so they just unceremoniously dump him in the in the ocean Mm. um Yeah, uh, and it ends with, uh, um, uh, England had gone back to its occupations. The paper spoke of the return to political sanity, of the rejection of ideas from a tainted source, of the restoration of the system which had been the bulwark of our greatness through so many centuries. The composition of Lord Glendover's cabinet attested his sincere intention of putting public affairs on a businesslike and efficient footing, there is no remedy for the errors of democracy. There's no elasticity of energy to fulfill purposes conceived on a larger scale than its everyday thought. Other systems may be purged by the rising waves of national life, but democracy is exhausted. So that's the end of the book. Um, so, yeah, again, um, very clear political satire going on. Um, there, there's some other well, moments. So, the-
0: what you're saying is that's what you get for not hailing
1: to the chimp. <laughs> Exactly. Um, there's some other moments of sort of um, uh, let's see, um, uh, sort of discussing, uh, say, human rights and stuff that I thought was uh, worth pointing out. Um, uh, it, it should be noted uh, the author of this was an anti-suffrage guy, uh, so he was against women voting. So, like, he's not necessarily a good guy, but he seemed to have. At least some good ideas about, um, yeah, um, how you know, um, say natives and stuff should be treated. Sure. Um, I mean,
0: you can you can definitely get, you know, it's fairly common people have the right idea in one way and then the, the
1: wrong idea. in Yeah. Oh way. yeah. Uh, the book also has some unfortunate uh, anti-Semitic uh, undertones with uh, a character who's a baron who's a, a money lender who um, uh, comes in and out has a very thick, I think it's supposed to be German accent written in like, you know, dialect. Um, yeah, just some uncomfortable stuff there. Um, and the N-word is used at one point in reference to a minstrel show. So yeah, again, this is a product of its time, and not to be, um, not to, um, praise it too much, but um, uh, it does have some um, interesting uh, stuff here that I'm going to read out. Um, this is a conversation between Mr. Cato and another character. Um, uh, it's opposed to the natives' own interests. Their country should never be developed without uh, European assistance. How do you mean developed, Mr. Bats? Well, take the question of gold, for instance. These lazy beggars, the Sujans, would simply leave it lying around in the ground as far as they are concerned. Mind you, I'm not saying that all these Jews and foreigners who start the thing... Um, Uh, are the most desirable people to carry civilization among the savages. Uh, Providence works for good by very funny means. But the gold belongs to the Suchans. Gold, or any other commodity, belongs by law and nature to the man who works it. It's a reward for his industry. That's in mill. It's not by any means uh, such an easy thing to work a mine as you might think, especially in a savage country. First of all, there's all the labor difficulty to deal with. What do you mean by the labor difficulty? Getting labor, of course, natives to work the, uh, native labor to work the mine. Uh, but what are the Europeans doing if they're not going to labor? You've obviously not studied the mining question, my dear sir. Once the prospecting is over, Europeans don't dig. That would be very primitive. They have their work pretty well cut out as it is, pegging their claims um, and looking after the men to see that they don't steal. Of course, they have to get natives to dig for them, suchins in this case. Why should the su stick for them? Well, why should they, sir? Why would we bloody soon make them?
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, that's pretty That's pretty uh, clear what the... the, <laughs> the yeah. That's obviously a villain speech, right? He's not meant to be... Uh, yeah, a, yeah. A, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, um, um, yeah, that's... that. Th- so, yeah, we can see this is an anti-colonialist, then, uh, story. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah. Or anti imperialist. Uh, yeah, uh, there's also a bit... Um, Um, well, Whitstable's uh, shelved. He's incompetent, and he knows it. It's very hard on him, said uh, Lord Glendover. Still, he gets the governorship of Australia, said Lady Wise. And that's 15,000 or so a year. Not bad after all. He's responsible for uh, thousands of lives in Africa. Yes, but think of the poor beggar's feelings. Huggins' hopes uh, were ruined by his case against the Red Sea Shipping Company. It came out that his firm had been exporting arms to the Mad Mullah. But quite innocently, said Lord Glendover, He's a businessman. He didn't know it was against the law. <laughs> yep. Okay, then. <laughs> yeah. So, so I think uh, yeah, we've definitely
0: we've got, a, <laughs> we've got a we've got a theme here, and uh, yeah. yeah, seems uh, pretty pretty uh, pretty good for his time. That's uh, that's
1: in that's that good. regard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see. Um, and there, there's some good lines here and there. Um, an honest man wouldn't be clever enough to hear it, and a clever one wouldn't be honest enough to repeat it. Um, referring to what? Oh, just uh, about um, uh, seeing the Dwala's uh, tail. in this ah, case. Ah, okay. An honest man wouldn't be clever enough to hear it. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyway. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, this one, I'm not sure what it means, but it sounds good. <laughs> Uh, children d- died believing. This is about the famine. Chil- uh, children died believing in their mother. Women died believing in some god or fate. Men died believing in nothing but the police. Hm.
0: Hm. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I'm depressed now. Uh, so that's he predicted yeah. COVID, is what you're saying? Okay.
1: <laughs> um, no, it, it's it's kind of yeah. It, it has this these sort of dark undertones that I, that I thought was really interesting in a lot of it. Um, like, this is not what you would expect when you hear the premise. Right. Um, uh, yeah, well, I mean,
0: when you talk about a story in which an ape man becomes prime minister, I'm going to assume there's going to be some satire, uh, no matter what. I mean, that's just mm-hmm. straight up there. Uh, it's going to be like a, um, yeah, uh, I guess, a, a explicitly a political satire, but also a cultural satire. Um, it sounds like it works in that regard, and I guess it's Yeah, but it's, it's fairly... not as
1: broad as I was expecting, like, mm-hmm. broad as a, as a comedy.
0: Um, yeah. Well, the thing is, I, I wonder if, you know, in 1905, maybe not enough people had seen, like, monkey antics on television <laughs> that they immediately decided to believe that it was, you know, uh, goofy wackiness. Uh, it's worth noting that um, the orangutan, He's you said he's from Borneo, right? The uh, Juala? Um, yeah. The orangutan literally just means "wild man of the woods" in um, uh, the lo- the local language, and um, it, it uh, you know it, to the to the extent and possibly just because of that phraseology, you know a lot a lot of people did tend to think that you know well apes are are humans uh, they're you know even as late as Tarzan there's some you know kind of uncomfortable stuff where they talk about how like apes are just like a lesser you know. Well, yeah, in Tarzan, basically. they're
1: also explicitly a missing link that right. raised Tarzan. Right, um, exactly. Though that's more like Sar- Sasquatches of Africa, sort of right. thing. Right. So um, it
0: does sound like the missing link idea was actually playing a big role in people's thinking at this time for the writing as well. And you can just sort of go, well, an, an ape can basically. An ape's basically a person, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you can. And then and it, and
1: this, this brings us into the other book we'll be discussing a little more briefly um, Melancourt. Or Sir Orangutan, eighteen seventeen, by Thomas Love Peacock. Um, uh, Peacock was a um, uh, prolific writer. He was a uh, friend of Percy Shelley, um, which I thought was interesting. Um, He uh, he also had um, uh, uh, professed a lot of anti-colonial ideas in his in at least this book, but. At the same time he was a uh, his career was a lawyer for the uh, East India Company so um <laughs> yeah that that sort of threw me because I read read about that after I read the book and like what <laughs> um, but uh yeah he was an uh, official for the East India Company um yeah yeah huh. it's it I wonder great.
0: if it's a case of like he just between what he saw and what he had to do, he kind of, he needed an outlet, maybe, and that, so he decided to write something, you know, as a, in a weird way, an expose, not an expose, but, you
1: know. No, no, uh, this is, um, uh, apparently he wrote a lot of uh, novels in this style uh, uh, where very broad uh, characters who just represent different viewpoints, to the point of having names like Mr. Sarcastic, or whatever. Um, Like, they're, they're It's not a subtle book. Um, uh, Just have uh, sort of uh, debates with each other. And the story itself is basically just a frame for these debates to happen. Um, But one of the ones that keeps coming up is about uh, slavery, which uh, the book very much rightly comes down on it being wrong. But uh, yeah, yeah, it says, uh, and you should boycott products made with slavery, including sugar. Because um, sugar at the time was all made with slave, slave labor. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, one of the main characters is part of what he calls the anti saccharin society, which is against <laughs> the use of sugar products. Um, uh, which, again, uh, and this character is, is presented as in the right. Like um, uh, uh, Other characters change their mind uh, about this topic in, in, that, in his favor. Uh, which doesn't happen to anything else in the book. So um, th- this is obviously the viewpoint of the author, but he was also working for the East India Company. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, very odd. Um, anyway, so uh, the basic story, uh, which, again, is just a framework for these debates to happen between various characters, is that one of the characters um, had uh, acquired an orangutan, um which he sees as a just another form of human that hasn't been civilized yet. So he dresses up in clothes um, like high-class clothes. Um, he uh, he teaches him to play the pipe um, like music, um, and uh, installs him as an MP in a uh, in uh, the borough of one vote. Uh, which again not not very subtle there. Um hmm. oh the the English system at the time had a lot of these things called rotten boroughs um which were gotten rid of just uh I think a few years later uh or decades later but like not terribly long after this came out. Um I learned about this from a Blackadder episode. Oh. Um but basically rotten boroughs were where one person basically voted in an MP. Um how did that work one person uh had the farmland that the riding was oh i see okay so somebody so owned. it was one right, person yeah. who voted for the mp i gotcha okay and it was obviously a corrupt system
0: <laughs> Yeah. no kidding well that's <laughs> probably a holdover i mean this was not that long ago the feudal system so it was just kind of probably you know left over from that
1: yeah um so that was there's a black adder episode about that where they're uh Ah, uh, running a candidate, and they—they they sort of the show frames it as like a parody of like political election coverage, but there's just one voter. Yeah, <laughs> and it turns out that blackadder killed him and took his place, or something. I, I think <laughs> that was it. Um, <laughs> um, uh, also, there's a, a reference to one of these boroughs in a Gilbert and Sullivan song, uh, the um, um, from uh, HMS Pinafore. Uh, um, when the the character who uh, is in charge of the navy is describing his his background, and starts off he was a he was a clerk at a law office, and then he worked his way up and became an MP for for a, a pocket borough, and so on and so on. And you know, none of these included any kind of nautical training. Um, but now he's you know in charge of the sea, uh, the navy, even though he's never been to sea before. You
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: Um which, again, is about as um, uh, subtle political commentary as this book is. <laughs> um, um, so, so, yeah, it, it's it's pretty—the the plot's basically nothing. They, they go from place to place and, and argue with the person there. There's a Mr. Mystic, who represents sort of—he um, uh, he lives on an island that's clouded in the fog of obscurity. Um, he thinks um, seeing things clearly is, is morally wrong. You know that sort of thing, okay. um, and you know uh, a woman gets kidnapped uh, uh, out of uh, uh, jealousy. You know from by a jealous suitor, and the the proper suitor along with Mr. Uh, Sir Orangutan and rescuer. You know it basic stuff, but um, um, there's there's some interesting uh, thought experiments and stuff going on, and the idea of an ape politician in Britain is apparently a lasting one. Because a hundred years later, there's another book with the <laughs> same premise with a completely different uh, uh, take on it.
0: Well, there you go. I mean, it's... It's... You know, it, the, the the satirical possibilities are pretty strong. Uh, there's a reason... And then, you know, a hundred years... You, you, Fifty years after that one, there was you know Planet of the Apes. It was it was yep. the same kind of uh, same kind of thing basically over and over again. Yeah,
1: I believe that was a French story originally called Monkey Planet that was actually set on another planet. I'm not right. sure though, but I believe yes. that's
0: the original story. Yes, it was. Well, we should probably read that one too, actually. But yeah, uh, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, yeah. There's
1: actually a bunch of. Uh, uh, talking Apes Stories that I, I was looking into thinking of reading for this episode, but I just read the two, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um but there's one about a, a civilization called the Monicans at the South Pole, I believe. Hmm. Um so I guess a Civilization of Monkeys. Uh no idea how that one goes, but uh um looks fairly interesting. I might read that at some point on my own. Yeah. Um and, and you know, the uh Yeah, it, yeah it's talking it's, it's a, it's a apes col- is is a very um uh primal (laughs) no pun intended sort of idea it it, um because apes are so similar to us in in appearance but they're still animals so exactly yeah um there are it's a good way of exploring um uh different aspects of humanity yeah,
0: it's, yeah, exactly. It's there, I guess it's there are, there's sort of the link between ourselves and, and nature as we see it because they exist in nature, but we can see ourselves in them as well. And they're, of course, they're our closest cousins, you know, in terms of uh, biology. So it's, yeah, it's just something about that sort of, you know, suggests, oh, you put them in a tuxedo and you've, <laughs> you've made a, you've, you're, you've made a, you're, B- both made a joke and a statement it's very yep. uh, you know you, it's very it it means a lot just by doing that it's 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 charged with meaning essentially um yeah so clearly that's a go to i wonder i wonder if we can figure out but but again it had to be you had to reach a point when people sort of knew apes and knew monkeys right like because they didn't
1: i, I think that goes back a ways because there's like descriptions of like gorilla people in like um you know, Pliny the Elder and stuff. Uh,
0: really? Okay.
1: Like, travelogues um, and stuff. Like, th- I think they knew the base... Uh, yeah. Um, but uh, I, I think um, a lot of this probably came about... Uh, uh, I mean, uh, actually, Melancourt predates Darwin by quite a bit, but um, uh, definitely... Um, uh, uh, Dwala uh, comes out of uh, uh, Darwin thought even though it doesn't actually reflect the actual theories involved, but it's just sort of, you know, those ideas in the air.
0: Well, it made people think about evolution, which made them think about apes, and that was, then as now it became very, it was controversial, the idea that, oh, we came from apes, oh my goodness, you know, that was...
1: Yeah, uh, us and apes share a common ancestor,
0: but yeah, right, right. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah well, well, I don't think the, the people who were saying this would <laughs> would have appreciated that nuance anyway. But yeah, it's no, it's, but uh, yeah,
1: yeah. But it, it does it does uh, answer the question that I've actually had posed to me in person. It cracked me up. I didn't have an answer at the time because I was young. But uh, if uh, we evolved from monkeys, why are there still monkeys? Right. Exactly. <laughs> uh that's the it's like saying you know if, if you came from your parents, why do you still have cousins It's not as illogical <laughs>
0: yeah exactly yeah well that's why they they talked about the missing link uh but yeah it's 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 um it's it's definitely the kind of thing that just evokes a lot in our brains more than any other animal perhaps i mean if it was a dog president it wouldn't it wouldn't quite be the same right or a you know a yeah. horse president I, I mean
1: yeah, you you could make that. <laughs> yeah, but it wouldn't have. But I it think it would have be the more of a meaning. children's story. Like I think that reads as more like a you know, right. an Andy the talking hedgehog situation. There's uh, a
0: there. It's an uncanny valley thing, right? Yeah, it's like it's an animal, but it's close enough to us that we get a little creeped out by the implications <laughs> that that it carries, as it were.
1: Right? Yeah, or or we. I mean, I, I don't know if a lot of people are terribly creeped out by chimps, but like there is that same sort of um uh tension yeah i think I,
0: that's i mean yeah you're not literally creeped out by them but you know what i mean it's it's yeah. sort of it's it's part of your brain is just saying like am i so different really when you look at them yeah. you know like
1: there's also uh the fact that apes have been racialized as um right uh often um black people presented as you know literal apes or what have you uh that's an unfortunate right, right. thing I don't th- yeah I mean that's sort of present in Douala with um um him literally being a, a, a prince uh, of a of a African people, but um um he's just masquerading like it's explicitly he's not one of them right, um, right,
0: which is actually interesting, and you almost wonder if they'd put that in specifically to sort of make a distinction and say no. There's yeah, a, these are humans and these are apes. Let's let's yeah. make, let's make it clear, even though it's about the missing link. But you know what I mean.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it, the first Tarzan book had him meeting black people before white people, but meeting white people was still a big revelation right. for him. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Exactly. So, uh we we could probably do a whole series of podcasts on the racial implications of the first Tarzan <laughs> novel alone. But uh, let's save that for. That's a little possibly heavy. another time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. I mean, we will. We will look at Tarzan, if only indirectly, at some point. I'm sure.
1: Well, we've talked about Saturn and Ferandal, and why do you need to talk about Tarzan <laughs> yeah. at
0: that point? I mean, uh, uh, Tarzan just can't measure up to Saturn and Ferandal, as we all know.
1: Absolutely not. Uh, well, that's all the time we have for this week for What Mad Universe. I've been British Prime Minister Philip Rice, and with me was Adam Prosser. Uh, Pithecanthropus Podcastus. Our producer was Alex Ross, Member of Parliament in a Rottenborough, and our theme song was by Jack Fieric, an orangutan we taught to play the pipes.
0: And uh, just a reminder, we both have a Patreon, uh, which we use to uh, uh, keep our uh, hosting costs uh, supported, uh, so... Uh, if you subscribe to either of us uh, you can uh, listen to this podcast early every time as well as getting bonus material cut footage illustrations and comics Um, just go to patreon search for philip rice with one l or adam prosser with two s's not prosser the valet Uh, or (laughs) go to neversleepsnetwork.com slash series slash what dash mad dash universe the links are all there and you can follow us either on twitter at wmu podcast or prankster 36 for me or spear a with an f Fill it. <laughs>
1: um oh yeah, and it, uh, the British pronounce it valet because they intentionally say Brit- uh, French words wrong. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. <they go. laughs> um so until next time, Parliament is adjourned. Ook ook.